Alright, we should be ready to go in 3, 2, 1, now. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Alternative Viewpoint. I'm your host, Edward Fauché, and this week we're going to have quite an episode, I'm feeling. Uh, many, thing, many people came out and they dropped some suggestions for this week's episode now that I'm back, and it was a lot of fun to see and a lot of fun to talk to you guys. It was just all around good time. And uh, before we get started, I'd like to uh, just address a, a few things. One, this episode is being recorded on the 21st. Yes, the day it releases. And uh, this happens to be in the National Indigenous Peoples Day. So I'm going to drop off uh, basically happy National Indigenous Peoples Day. It also falls in the month of June, and I haven't addressed it yet. So happy Pride Month. Um, real quickly, we're not gonna, we're gonna talk about, well, many, many things. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit more, later, just to sum this episode up, we're gonna be talking a little bit about, uh, the cancel culture. Yeah, they're back, uh, with something wild. We're gonna also be talking about a bit about, uh, North Korea and the big man himself, Kim Jong-un. But, uh, you know, he hasn't hit the spotlight in quite some time now, so... I'm just going to brush up on him. Um, we're going to be talking about Israel and Palestine. <laughs> Big surprise. We're going to talk about them twice. Uh, we're going to uh, talk about a massive drought that's now happening in the States. It's not going to take very long, but it's going to brush up on it. We're going to be addressing um, so the U.S.-Russian relations and uh, how they're going to be going forward with now Biden on the head and steering the wheel. Uh we're talking about um, some sad things uh, this week on the Kamloops Residential School here up here in Canada. We're going to be addressing that a little bit. We're also going to be talking about Israel one more time. Israel and Palestine to be exact. But uh, we're going to be talking about profits because nothing in this world wouldn't be done without money. So, yep, we got a, some big things coming up for this episode here. So stay tuned and we'll get right back into it. Just because I think it's an interesting topic to talk about, we're going to actually be starting with the U.S.-Russian relations issue. Um, and as you know, uh, U.S.-Russian relations have never been like pitch perfect. They've never been wonderful, you know, because there's always going to be hiccups in a relationship. Let's uh, let's address the like you know the Russian annexation of Crimea. Their massive silos of nuclear warheads. The guy who's been in charge for the last 21 years, and you know, you know, just the usual hiccups, right? You know, the usual little stepping stones. All jokes aside, um, most most times people talk about U.S.-Russian relationship. The U.S.-Russian relationships, pardon me. It usually zeroes in on the big man himself, Mr. Uh, Mr. Vlad, Mr. Vladimir. Um, and respectively so, like, he's been in charge since, that since, well, as long as I've been around, as long as a hefty amount of people have been around. Last 21 years, this guy's been in charge. Oh, what a mad lad. And while everyone was freaking out about COVID, he took another step, and he signed a bill letting him keep his power, or rather, well, technically, it let him have the ability to rule until 2036 because you know democracy 
cool, and I'm doing air quotes right now, but you can't see me. Democracy might kick, give him the boot, but let's be honest, he's just gonna send some more vote stuffers. Like, <laughs> he he's not coming out anytime soon. Um, so yeah, he's basically he's in there for a hefty amount of time, and a lot of and, and there's a reason. There's a good reason for that. Um, when the Soviets collapsed, uh, there was a huge rush for the free market, right? Because like communism's not there anymore, and people are like, "Hell yeah, I can sell stuff and like not get arrested." And um, so they started selling a lot of things, which led to a massive spike in a select few oligarchs who basically owned everything. You know, funny that. Um, so basically, uh, they they all just really like Vlad, Vladimir. You know? Oh, God, yeah, because I'm on a first-name basis with this man. No. Um, but but they, they just love Mr. Putin, right? He's get, they get... They get anything they want from him, and in turn, he gets to keep his power because he has the oligarchs in check. So it's a very, it's a, it's a good relationship he's got going with the powerful people in Russia. Like, he he gives them what they want through like politics, and he gets what he wants, which is power through money and business and uh, businesses and other things like that. And hence, why it was so easy for him to. Everyone likes to say influence the American elections and all that. Um, but what really what happened was just an aggressive, like ad campaigns, ad campaigns from Russian corporations, which technically, through every technical term, was not Putin himself. It was the actual company. But let's be honest here, like let's take a look, hard look at the mirror. Anyway, and so uh, when uh, Trump was in there, he he talked about maybe you know about. Uh, open up relationships and improving things because you know the u.s russian relationships haven't been fantastic like when russia decided that they wanted crimea again they just kind of took it and the u.s was like no don't do that but like we're not going to stop you anyway that that was the lowest their relationship their relations have been since the cold war it, it's slowly been getting better but like honestly it's still just a complete just shit show over there um it's just yeah that they basically and trump didn't help he has a big mouth and uh he he made a lot of enemies he made a lot of people who just did were not the biggest fan eh, respectively so um so with the new helm with the new person at the wheel uh Joe Biden, uh, it, it would have been interesting to see. So they actually met the other day in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, it was a summit uh, between the U.S. president and the Russian president. It was, well, it, it was important, right? It, it's setting guide rails for the next four years, like if Mr. Biden makes it. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they're really hoping that, like, hey, maybe we can actually, like, not try to be at each other's throats all, all the time. But let's be realistic. A breakthrough is not is not the most likely of cases. Uh, the, like again, the Biden administration is seen as more stable and predictable, right? Like because it's not a wacko just kind of using his big mouth. Um, and, and and a lot of people see that as a 
stepping stone for like a better relation going forward. And to be honest, I could, I somewhat agree with them. I, I somewhat agree with that statement. However, they are still two major powers that usually do not have mutual goals. The OOS is more interested in themselves and Russia is more interested in themselves. So they're going to butt heads over a lot of things. <laughs> the U.S. wants to steal oil from nations and blame them on someone to go to war, and the Russia doesn't want to blame someone to go to war, just wants to push around smaller countries and eat their clay. Yeah, just fine. That's totally all right. Uh, but, you know, they're going to butt heads. Uh, again, their meeting really didn't go anywhere. They kind of just agreed, like, it's just the run-of-the-mill stuff. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you want this? Oh, I want that, too. You want that? I want that too. Let's be friends. Leaving and thinking like, God, what an asshole. That's just Canadian hating, hate in a nutshell. You bump into an American, they'll turn around, scream at you. you bump into a Canadian, they'll say, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. Walk away and mutter to themselves about how horrible of a person you are. You know, but that's just a secret. And again, much of the Western discourse about Russia... It zeroes into the big man himself. It, Russia's foreign policy is centered around this guy who likes to have pictures with his shirt off. And, yeah. The desire to have the West recognize that post-Soviet space is a Russian sphere of influence. Because, yeah, well, the Soviets, they, they were a massive, massive driving force in Asia for such a long time. And in Europe as well. And when that just left, there was a massive power vacuum. So that that Russian influence is, it's not gone. Like, there's a lot of countries that are still leaning on Russia, and I honestly wouldn't be, I would not, one, be surprised, or two, think it was that bad of, idea, of an idea for Russia and these uh, ex-Soviet states to kind of band together in economic union or something like that. Just kind of like a because they're already heavily leaning on Russia, right? If they made it more official, it would just benefit all of those nations that aren't doing so fantastic. Again, it would be very beneficial to Russia, like especially because that's, that's just spreading their sphere of influence further. But for the smaller nations that aren't doing so well, like that could be a saving grace. Again, don't know if that's something that Russia is interested in, but you know, we'll see. Only time will tell. Um, yeah, but it wasn't always, like, uh, it always wasn't horrible. Russia was, wasn't, isn't always horrible. They're not always the boogeyman sitting behind. I don't want anyone thinking, get, think, getting that idea. Just, you know, it, it's just, we have to watch where things are going, and let's just pray that they keep it level-headed. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking a little bit about the movement to cancel Canada Day. Oh, yeah. They're after they 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 they're after some again. This is uh, about the uh, in, the findings of what happened in the residential schools. Uh, we'll we'll be talking a little bit more about that later on. However, we're going to be talking about the actual move to cancel Canada. And I'm just going to say this right off the bat before anyone gets any ideas. N no, <laughs> no one's going to do that. I've got one word for you if you're a Twitter keyboard warrior thinking you're going to save the world by making the day Canada was founded, just not celebrated. I, for one, uh, my family, for one, has a 
just we're just gonna buy a lot of fireworks. We're gonna make if you don't want to celebrate, we'll celebrate for you. That's how I'm gonna do it. Just good luck. Anywhere you find this uh, thing being posted about or told about, you're always gonna have if if there's comments or reviews or something that someone can put voice their opinion. It's always this is so dumb. It's I've have not seen a single person voice their opinion about how they like it without backlash from many, many more people. It's just, I don't know. I, again, uh, I'll give my justification for the, uh, for my point of view uh, when I talk about the findings of the residential schools. For anyone who isn't aware, the residential schools were a, um, basically, it was an effort by the Catholic Church to, again, not my thoughts, the thoughts of the Catholic Church and the Pope at the time, to, uh, again, you cannot see me, but air quotes, civilize the indigenous population of Canada that was already here when the government was being founded. Um, basically, Canada at the time, we said, yeah, sure, go ahead. Like, go build schools, like, Here's a little tip. If a country is being offered people that can, like, work in their society, work in factories or textiles or whatever, just manpower, they're going to say yes. As long as they're not, like, extremely problematic and they actually, like, it, that's it's just profit. It's just profit. So they're always going to say yes. So Canada, being a normal country, said, hell yeah, no. Yeah, make sure that let them become part of this society like let them get educated in this whatever that's fine um for anyone not in the know about what actually went on in these uh church-run schools is what actually happened was the church sent priests and nuns to teach educate in these schools it was completely run by the church no involvement with the government the government just said yeah you can do that you can educate them you can uh, i'm gonna let you build the schools what really happened was an absolutely unmonitored grouping of priests and nuns with children of people who were not on the same footing as the whites living, well, citizens living in Canada. Um, so what actually happened was a massive power difference. And these are residential schools, like these people lived here. And uh, a lot of abuse happened, physical, mental, verbal, sexual a lot sexual, like Catholic priest amount of sexual. Remember, these are children, like, like, re like really young, like not like casual. Like um, this isn't your average person who enjoys children a little too much. This is Catholic priest level. So five year olds, you know, doesn't matter. Whatever the hell they can get their hands on. Long story short, there were a lot of people who just did not live. And uh, to get an idea of how bad things were, the Nazis, when they ran their concentration camps, basically took notes from our textbook. Not only that, they basically gave us a shout-out. They named one of the facilities... In the actual, in concentration camp. So, basically every concentration camp, like, they had little layouts and stuff. And certain buildings were meant to do certain things. Um, 
like their barracks, storage areas, and whatever. They named one of their storage areas where they put like the shoes and the belongings of the people that they brought into the camps. They just threw them in these barns. They called the barns like this isn't like like the soldiers walking around like giving nicknames for things. In the documents, they were known as Canada barns, like the they, they were called Canadas, like because of how much how many resources in quotation marks again you cannot see me but how many things were in these barns and and they would they called them that because of how how many resources in Canada and how many things are in the barns you know kind of a correlation there like whoa yeah okay holy yeah no they weren't weren't weren't, weren't fun times i can tell you that for sure and I don't want to make light of this situation, however, like, and anyway, the Canadian government, uh, under the Harper administration, finally came out and apologized for letting these things happen. Fun fact, guess who didn't? You want to, you want to guess who absolutely not only didn't apologize, but to this day has not addressed it? I'm sorry, you guys at home... I'm gonna get a drum roll. I know you can hear me. You're listening to me now. I want a drum roll. I'm gonna let you. Alright, sorry. Doc. I'm gonna wait. Drum roll. I want a drum roll. Perfect. Thank you. Ready? Guess who didn't? Drum roll. The Catholic Church. Big surprise. Big reveal. Whoop de doo. In fact, uh, our current Prime Minister, Mr. Justin Trudeau, actually tried to tell people like hey stop giving us so much crap like you do know that this wasn't us and as a catholic this makes me really sad that they did this and you know what the church said they came out and said whoa whoa buddy you overstepped your boundaries what the hell do you think you're doing like holy smokes all right i just I really think this blame should have been shifted to the people who ran these things. Yeah, of course, Canada isn't perfect, and they did say yes to letting these things happen, and they didn't bother to kind of inspect them, saying, like, hey, everything going on in here? Like, is there anything bad going on here? Like, oh, you're doing a good job? They just, like, they put too much faith in a religion. But And to be fair, like, yeah, Canada deserves some of the blame. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, we're completely inept from the blame. But come on. They should have called the buildings in the contradictions the Pope Barns. Like, I honestly, I just don't get it. I, I really think this blame should have been shifted. And I don't expect this one thing to just change everything. And the entire course of this cancel campaign is going to be cancel the church. I don't, I don't expect that to happen. But if this even change one person out there's opinion or at least just hear me out then i'm I, i'm fulfilled with that I, i'm happy I, I i've done a good job there so yeah then uh, again um we're gonna be also uh, just to cover about what actually happened um they uncovered recently they found a mass grave that they just they just found now out in the province of british columbia on the grounds of an old residential school. Um, due to the fact that I'm unaware of the amount, I do know that the last recorded was about 250, but I think they got up to, to 500. 
um, confirmed bodies. Uh, basically, again, these residential schools, they're, they're, they're back in the 19, like early 19, late 1800s, right? From my knowledge, there were around 500 bodies in these mass graves that they just found of children from the residential school that the priest and nuns lovingly tossed into a pit. Uh, due to this, um, they're trying to cancel Canada Day because it's like, oh, you shouldn't celebrate Canada Day because of this. Like, I don't, I, I can see where they're coming from, but I think that their anger is misdirected because it's just been a long time that, well, because for a long time, people just look, looking for a punching bag when Harper, like, you know, all respect to him, uh, Harper, a great prime minister, um, he came out and said, you know, I'm sorry, like, we're sorry, as a government, we shouldn't have let this happen. I guess people said, like, oh, whoa, he's taking blame, everyone, like, attack, you know, and I don't think that's, cr like, crazy misdirected, like, again, we do deserve, again, when I say we, I mean the Canadian government, because... You know, um, the Canadian government does deserve a little bit of the flack. Not most of it, though, because most of it should be directed to who random, who did this. You know what I mean? Anyway, we're also going to be talking about uh, the actual, uh, a little bit about Israel and Palestine again. Um, Israel broke the ceasefire. Uh, big surprise there. Big reveal. Um and um, some people have been talking about how Israel was sending, like, vaccines to Palestine. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. They actually care about the well-being of these people. And, you know, like, yeah, technically they were. But they were, like, about to expire anyway. They didn't expire yet. Like, they, they haven't expired yet. And Palestine ended up sending them back, even though they weren't expired. I... Now, there's two ways to look at this. There's, if this was any other country, any other country, um, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal, per se, because, um, well, naturally, if if you needed the vaccines, you would keep the ones that were the most valuable to you. And you're like, okay, well, these ones are going to expire in a little bit. There's a country over there that has almost none. If we give them to them, they'll be able to use these. Like, they'll, t they'll be able to take anything we get. We're not only being generous, because we these are less valuable than the ones we have, but this country over here has none. Zip. Zero. You know, let's give it to them. That's a great thing. That's fine. But considering the fact that this is a country that will fire an intercontinental missile at a kid who throws a rock at their border... Yeah, no, their their heart might not be in the right place. Um, I don't know if they're just trying to like if this was like a move by PR, public relations, just to be like, okay, the world hates us. What do we do? Send basically expired medicine to the Palestinians. You're a goddamn genius. I don't know. We just <laughs> it's kind of funny, even though it's pretty horrible. Uh, but yeah, that Israel broke the ceasefire again. What they do, you know, happens all the time. Uh, they were using like gas-filled bombs or something. Like they were like balloons that would like go out and they'd explode. Something along the lines of that. That that's how they started breaking it, and then it just kind of escalated from there. 
Yeah. Uh, really quickly, we're going to throw in a little bit about Kim Jong-un, because, you know, the poor guy, he, he's, he's, been, he's been out of the spotlight for a long time, and he, he's been letting himself go. He's not been doing well. He's like Shia LaBeouf, losing his mind after Transformers, his one big break, when no one else wanted him. And uh, I know you're not listening, but just in case, Shia LaBeouf, if you're out there, you're welcome to come on as a guest and defend your honor. Um, but yeah, um, just a side note, I'm pretty sure like if I ever met Shia LaBeouf and he actually listened to this, he'd probably punch me in the nose. But uh, yeah. Kim Jong-un, all jokes aside, um, the guy's gotten really thin, and everyone's, like, kind of being like, okay, well, is this, he, is he, like, fine? Is he, like, dying or whatever? And a lot of people believe that he's, like, not doing too hot, considering he had, like, that massive event early on where his sister got to run the country for a little bit. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the big guy, well, he might, uh, kick the bucket soon enough be an interesting thing to see honestly I doubt that that country will stay together I, I it's being duct taped at the seams so you know we'll see but who really knows all, all again only time will tell another really quick fire one we're going to talk about the drought in the states just recently, a massive drought hit the states. Arizona got to, like, over 50 Celsius, like 120 Fahrenheit or something like that. But again, it's Arizona, so people were, like, just walking around calling the heat a wuss, saying, you want to see hot? I'll show you hot. Come down to Arizona. But, like, they're, I don't know. They're in Arizona. Just Arizonas are... People from Arizona always complain when someone says it's hot. That That's the lesson you should take from this. Like, Texas, too, and places like that, but, like, Arizona's the worst of it. Um, anyway, uh, but, the, again, massive drought in the States, and it's so hot out there, and, uh, just expect California to turn into another dumpster fire, or just around that area. It'll probably combust to flames any time now. <laughs> and, uh, I, just a side note about Texas and Arizona... I'm sure you're wonderful people, but God, shut up about the heat. That's a joke, by the way. I I have to say that because I saw some people. I I see you. Yeah, you listening right now? I see you down in there in Texas. No state tax. Down there, Texas in Dallas. Dallas, Texas, no state tax. Yeah, I I see you down there. Don't think I'm not watching you. Anyway, yeah. Um, for people not knowing. Uh, this one terrified person down in Dallas, Texas. Um, I can I I have to say that because I know for a fact there is a listener in Dallas, at least one. I I think there's like a few. So I'm really hoping it's just the one. If it's just the one, this becomes a lot funnier for this one poor soul. And I really really hope he was like listening to this and about to nod off, not really paying attention, and just gets really scared and confused when I start talking about his location. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, just California's going to explode anytime time soon. Um, yeah, uh, we're also going to be talking about, actually, yeah, so basically, what has been servicing recently, and uh, someone asked me to 
talk about this and just a side note um everything i've talked about so far has been requested by someone um also i'm going to probably ask later on for if i if i should set up a twitter account to better orchestrate things for this podcast depends because again listening rates and everything have been jumping up so i'm worried i'm worried that i won't have an actual platform for it because i don't use a twitter i don't use twitter i think it's a horrible place but you know i might start anyway uh what's really been servicing recently is um that basically um money 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 is usually in I'm stealing this from someone, um, so if that person is listening, you know who you are. Um, money really is an international language. Uh, like, it is the international language. No matter where you're from, what you believe in, what you do, money will always... is the one thing I find that can really tie together two negatives or tie, tie two things together better than anything else. The only thing that could ever do that, actually. And money comes into play when things like this happen. Because, well, they're expensive. <laughs> and a lot of people don't like blowing money. And when profits come into play uh, in the conflict, is there's really two, two sides of stories. Are we benefiting from this, or are we not? And that comes into, like, economic profits and territorial profits. Other other types of profits. You know, you have international clout and uh, you have territorial gains or economic gains, manpower gains, like industrial gains, agricultural gains, a whole lot. Considering Israel basically runs the entire coast, they don't really need agricultural gains because Palestine doesn't have much to offer. What they have to offer is cultural and territorial, right? Um, so that's going to be that's going to be beneficial to Israel, no matter what, because they want that. Um, again, religion comes into play, right? And international clout, religious clout, basically comes into play because <laughs> everyone wants to be like, "Ooh, I beat this guy's. My gods are more powerful." <laughs> I, I. <laughs> And in terms of Israel, it's more of, I killed X amount of civilians today. That means my God's more powerful than theirs, because theirs didn't come down and save them. <laughs> and, um, again, this is a pretty extreme example, but it's what's happening right now. Um, and when profits come into game, uh, play in external factors, um, on a lot of countries are supporting Israel. The U.S. sends them military equipment and funds, other things like that. A few other countries do so. Canada, for example, sends them, um, uh, oh, God, what was it? Give me a second. Uh, software. They sell them software, uh, military-grade software, um, which isn't as bad as weapons, but it's still giving them stuff, so it's technically a profit. And for Palestine, when you search up Palestinian richness, it brings up cultural richness. So that should really give you an idea of the massive difference in economic st economic statuses between these two countries. Um, when one so starts pulling up a list of everything it has, and the other one starts going, oh, it's pretty rich culturally. 
He's got cool roads. <laughs> yeah. Again, um, money will always come into a play and things like this. Uh, it, it's inevitable. It, it really is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, again, um, I, I wish, I really do wish uh, it would come to a stop. But again, the ceasefire was put in place. Violated. Another one was put in place. Violated. You know. It's going to be a trend, as it has been since the day Israel was announced as a state. A um, little bit of cool news is the uh, Juneteenth is now an actual U.S. holiday. Basically, the uh, day the slaves were um, freed, uh, if I have that correct. Um, if not, I will come back and I will change this. However, considering I'm still here... And no one's come down to take my voice thing away. I think I'm correct. Uh, but Joe Biden actually uh, signed that. So that's now an actual holiday. Which a lot of people are saying like, oh yeah, good for them. That's, that's awesome here. And uh, it is. An actual recognition is of a holiday that people have already been celebrating. is a good thing. But yeah, um, a lot of I know for a fact that a lot of people already were celebrating Juneteenth as the day. Uh enslaved african-americans uh were emancipated uh, and, um again but to see it now actually commemorated as a federal holiday is a good thing to see it's it's a very very important step and again you're gonna have both sides of anything people who so like don't like this people who do like it but from what i've seen it's been mostly positive so that's a good thing to see again canada doesn't have this because uh we're just better just better we didn't have this problem to begin with we're just we're just better <laughs> not a great thing to add right after our previous topic but we're just gonna let that one slide right past again um i wish we could add our favorite segment about uh the from the desk of donald trump but Due to ridicule, it was taken down. Uh, but we'll add just a tiny bit of Trump, just to make it that much more interesting for the people who really don't like him, which I believe is a majority. I really hope is a majority. My fingers are crossed. Again, you can't see me. But apparently, after a sur- after a survey, the majority believe that the 2020 election was fraudulent in some way, shape, or form. Just just, just take that a minute. Let that sink in. The majority of the population of the United States of America believe that Trump losing was fraudulent in some way, shape, or form. Oh, boy. That's quite a nut to crack. I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, the amount of political divide in this, in that country, in down the south of us, and for the people who are from the states, which is a majority, actually, most of my listeners are from the states. Second most are from Europe. Third most are from Canada. So, hi, Europeans. I don't know why you're listening to this. Some of them are in Belgium, if you can speak... Well, I imagine you speak English. 
uh, and down the south uh, in the states. We're talking about you guys right now. Um, I don't. The the amount of political divide is is insane. Uh, like I, I I don't believe that levels like this were as high. Like stuff like this led to a civil war. We're like we're back. Like again, this is me criticizing the way the states is run. Um, can, and for their listeners down the states, no, Canada isn't perfect, but there are much way, better ways of doing things than the way you have it. Um, and also for anyone who's a huge Trump supporter, no, I'm not a massive Biden supporter. I, he hasn't done great. I don't like either of them. One one is has a big mouth, and is kind of a wacko, and the other, um. Just hasn't been doing anything crazy for the government and has kind of just not really fulfilled any th- promises he's made. And I feel like he's a he's using very he's he's using liberal means to gain public appeal. A, a lot of things that I find liberals will do is to be extremely um, accepting of many things, which is supposed to be just a normal thing you do. Um, but instead of fulfilling things, he will just go on and do some accepting things, which, again, is good on its own, but it's usually done in a way to mask other things, which kind of removes the any, like, joy that you had in your heart for it. Like, oh, he just did this. Oh, wait a minute. Funny how he did that right after he just did not fulfill anything with that Kids in Cages initiative. And for anyone not in the know, uh, the Mexican-U.S. border has children in cages. <laughs> that's, that's all you gotta know. <laughs> that's the gist of it. If you wanna know more, look it up. Um, but all I know is that that I- immigration problem is a shit show. I know for a fact Kamala Harris has not been doing good in that regard. And uh, many, many Republican senators, I think 50, tried to vote her or uh, tried to influence, put someone else in charge, like, oh, God, we weren't doing good, but she isn't doing any better. And, you know, I don't think that always has to go down to a race thing, but many people will bring that down there. I I'm, I know for a fact she's not an idiot. I know for a fact she's very good in many things. I know for a fact she's not using this good stuff for this immigration process, or is just not able to. And... Neither was Trump, neither were the people who were, neither was Pence. Like, we're not going to put the, bring this down to a race thing. A lot of, like, the majority of the people preceding her didn't do it either, couldn't do it either. It's, we're going to use this word again, one more time, a shit show, as most things are. Anyway, so, uh... We're coming up to the end of the podcast here. We're actually coming up to about 40 minutes now. 30, 39 minutes and about 18 seconds. Our longest running episode of the podcast. One right after I came back. So I really hope this one was better. Considering I just got back into the saddle of things. Um, again, the thing you got to take away from all of this is uh, when it comes to things on the internet. Um, for many of my points about how I just really don't like it. Be 
people are just looking for something to be mad about because they're bored. It it uh, it just uh, it's it's upsetting to see, but you know it, it is what it is. And they'll complain. They just want to find stuff to cry about. It, it's just what it's just the deal of it. It is what it is, and. To be honest, you gotta you gotta try and get around that stuff. It, it's I know it's annoying and I know it bugs people and it's kind of an, it's nothing short of infuriating. But what's important is you don't need to have the last word. You don't need to make your store side of the story heard because. And I'm gonna use Shia LaBeouf here as an example for this. Um, I'm not gonna say his message was necessarily good or bad. I'm not the massive I'm not the massive LeBuff fan. Uh I do think mental health comes to play in his life. Um it's just upsetting to see and I hope that he gets better. And most of it comes down to mental health. But um he wasn't a huge fan of the Trump administration when he was brought to power and he had a live stream put up. Uh called it was public art he described it as where it was just a camera where people could come and chant and talk about how they hated Trump and how like he will not divide us he will not divide us um they it was started in New York and it it basically became the internet versus Shia LaBeouf and his hopes and dreams because uh, people living in New York would come down and say stupid things do stupid stuff try to make Shia really mad and um, he actually got arrested for licking one of his own supporters out of mistake of him being against him. Anyway, the thing got shut down and moved to New Mexico. Long story short, New Mexico, someone pulled a gun, cut, put, brought down. It was a, Then it was cut to a flag, a white flag saying, he will not divide us, in a open field, just pointed at the sky. Long story short, they made a mistake of keeping the audio on. Um... They tracked star constellations and pl like jet streams and noises around them, and they located it in some place in like Kentucky, if I'm not mistaken. And they just they went in at night, brought down the flag, and put up a shirt that said "Make America Great Again." Again, I don't think this comes down to politics, and I believe that many of them weren't actually Trump supporters. But I gotta say, it was entertaining as all hell to watch that go down i'm not a trump supporter i'm not a biden supporter i don't really support anyone i don't like their means at all either of them but god was it funny <laughs> uh again it was moved again to on top of a building in london someone scaled it took it down <laughs> and then it was moved to a cabin inside someone's house against a wall no audio just a flashlight on it in a closed room. How depressing. No one could get in, no one could take it down, but there was also no one there just like spread the message. It was no it wasn't a haha, I finally got you. It was more of a just a really pitiful attempt. And it comes down again to just that one guy screaming. If what like what like if one guy's just screaming about something, no matter how important how how important how true it is, if he's alone and no one's there to hear him, 
Is he really making... Is he doing anything? Is he really doing anything? No, he's not. When this one flag is sitting alone, and it's such a pitiful stance, and no matter how true or not untrue the message is, it's just nothing. No one's there to watch it. No one's there to listen to it. It's just there. And that comes down again to this internet thing. No, you don't need the last word. Ignore them. Let them scream at nothing. As soon as they realize they're not getting attention out of anyone, they'll just move on. Just as cancel culture does every week, they'll move on. And thank God this cancel Canada Day came up now and not closer to June 1st. Because by the time June 1st rolls around, they will have completely forgot about it and will be able to just celebrate issue free. But that's going to be it for my podcast this week. This was episode four, I believe. Again, I apologize for my late upload schedule. Um, the last two weeks that I missed. Uh, again, longest episode of the podcast alert. A whole 45 minutes. Holy smokes. It's a long goddamn time to be sitting here talking about stuff. Again, thank you for everyone who came out and dropped a suggestion down. I'll probably host a them something to see if I want to Twitter or something. If that's the case, I will put it up on our website. Yeah, I have a goddamn website. Holy. Uh, yeah, that, um, I'll put that up on my Instagram. Instagram, you can follow me. Just search up my name, Edward Fauché. Uh, it should be public. If I'm not public, I'll change that. Um, drop it down to follow me, uh, keep up with my stuff on my story, which I'll basically talk about things there and what's happening, and keep you updated until the Twitter arrives, or until I get a better website, because the website right now is just what episodes I have, how many, uh, what their name is, and where you can listen to them. But that's going to be it for me this week. I am Edward Fauché, your host of the Alternate Viewpoint, and I'll see you guys next week.